Chapter Twenty Five of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. The Sleepervox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Where the Mayflower Pilgrims Prayed. At Delfshaven, a village on the Moss near Rotterdam, I visited the church where Elder Brewster, Miles Standish, John Alden, Priscilla, and the rest of the pilgrims worshipped before they left Holland for their voyage to the New World. You will recall how they sailed from Holland on the Speedwell to Southampton, where they got the Mayflower, which landed them at Plymouth and on its famous rock. They had been driven from England to Holland, where they settled at Leiden and lived for twelve years. The Dutch treated them well, but they wanted a land of their own. They bought a vessel at Delfshaven, and upon it made their start for America. They remained at Delfshaven some time before sailing, and during that time worshipped in this old church. Delft was, a few centuries ago, one of the important cities of Holland, but is now almost forgotten except for its blue porcelain dishes and tiles. Delfshaven is the port of the old city of Delft, and has today but a few hundred people. It is composed of two- and three-story Dutch houses, old and black and quaint in the extreme. The roofs are steep and ridge-shaped, with the little dormer windows poking their heads out here and there. The houses are flush with the sidewalks. A canal running through the chief street is filled with barges and fishing boats, upon which the boat families were cooking their suppers at the time of my visit. The old church stands facing the canal just below the drawbridge which crosses it. There are old houses on each side of it, and the street looks as though it were a slice taken out of the Middle Ages and drop down into the present. The church is made of well-burnt brown bricks with door and window frames painted white. The windows are arched and have many panes. The church has a clock tower and a cupola, and in its day it must have been considered a fine building. The sexton lives in a little house next door. She is a kind old Dutch lady who would be good-looking if it were not that she has lost her front teeth. She has the whitest of caps the rosiest of cheeks, and a most pleasant smile. She took me through the church and showed me its treasures, including the pulpit Bible, which dates back to 1628, or eight years after the pilgrims left Holland. She pointed out a stone in the wall, which was sent to the church by some of the people of Chicago, and said that the Chicagoans had taken away, in exchange, a stone from the floor. She said that two of the gravestones had been bought by a Philadelphia man for the New England Society of Pennsylvania, and that this society also had the old alms box. This old church has been used ever since the pilgrims left. It has seats for about 200 people, quaint oak benches with reading desks in front of them, upon which lie many Bibles. The Bibles are printed in Dutch and look as old as the church itself. Underneath each bench is a little square box-like footstool with auger holes in the top. These stools are the only heating arrangement of the building. Before service, the sexton puts a little pot of glowing charcoal or peat in each stool, and the women put their feet on the top of the stools and thus keep them warm during the long sermon. The peat must be well lighted and glowing, or it will smoke, making one think that the church is on fire. When I went up into the pulpit, I noticed there were holes in its floor and was told that boxes of burning charcoal or peat were placed below it to keep the domini comfortable. 
the collections are taken up in little black bags fastened to long poles which the elders carry about during each service there are always two collections one for the poor and the other for the church and the elders the elders have seats of honor not far from the pew of the parson the poor are given the least desirable seats being shoved away on benches behind the preacher i took a look at the records of the church some of which chronicle the leaving of the pilgrims on july twenty second sixteen twenty and then wrote my name in the signature book as all americans who honor the pilgrim fathers and appreciate the hospitality of the hollanders are requested to do with the donation i also gave the donation as regards church-going the dutch are very much like other nations the country people attend more regularly than those of the city the village churches are full in the morning and notwithstanding the long sermons the people usually sit out the service the first chapter is read by the schoolmaster and in some churches a part of the collection is given to him the offerings are more often copper than silver and in the poorer villages a penny is a common donation the preachers are not very well paid especially where they depend upon the people for their salaries the government gives certain yearly allowances to the different churches the protestants who are in the majority get a little over half a million dollars a year the roman catholics not half so much and the jews only about five thousand dollars all religions are tolerated but the royal family and most of the people belong to the dutch reformed church which is organized rather like the presbyterian church holland was one of the first countries to separate its schools from the church as early as eighteen o six secular schools were established and since then public instruction has been fostered by the government and private instruction is paid for from public funds if approved by the state the dutch are noted for their intelligence and learning between the ages of six and thirteen education is compulsory holland has five universities with more than five thousand students in attendance its classical schools have five thousand students and there are academies and schools of all kinds it has a national academy of art a royal school of music a horticultural school and a national normal college for drawing teachers there are also night schools for the working classes industrial schools for women and in amsterdam there is a school for the training of women chemists women are admitted to every profession the dutch feminist movement is well advanced the dutch have housekeeping schools for girls schools for butter and cheese making fruit growing horse doctoring and horseshoeing in short schools for almost everything under the sun lectures on agriculture are given to the farmers at the expense of the government and in utrecht the night schools have classes for carpenters bricklayers stonecutters goldsmiths sculptors painters and lithographers holland has also schools for the training of boys who expect to enter the government service especially in the colonial branches in these schools the languages of sumatra java and others of the dutch east indies are taught the boys learn all about the chief religions of the natives they study their laws their prejudices and customs so that when they are sent out to govern them they are able to do so intelligently i doubt in fact whether any government service has men so well educated and so efficient as that of the dutch east indies take for instance a retired colonel official who was with me during this trip to delfshaven as we were riding back to rotterdam 
he told me that he spoke german french and english as well as dutch and that he could write and speak two of the languages of java he had to pass an examination in these languages before he was sent out to the east indies and this is the case with every man who represents holland in her asiatic colonies End of chapter 25